Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Now, this morning, I want to share on something that, that should be pressing uh, upon the hearts, what, and what I believe upon the hearts of every Christian uh, in these days, and that is righteousness. You know, that word appears almost 600 times in Scripture. That's a ton. That, that, that is so many times that it appears in Scripture that it should cause us to reflect on the fact that if something appears in Scripture so many times, I think it should matter to us. Yes? That's why the title of my message today is Righteousness Matters, because righteousness matters to God, and we know it matters to God because of who He is and the amount of times that He expresses that in His Word. Now, by definition, righteousness is to be justified, to be vindicated, and to be approved by God. And that last one is the one that, if you're going to remember one, if you're gonna uh, apply one to your life, if you're gonna pray over one, I would use that one, to be approved by God. And that is what righteousness in a nutshell is, to live our life in such a way that God approves of our life, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. You know, King David asked this in Psalm 15. He said, Lord, who will abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell with you? I think those are valid questions. Lord, who? Who can abide in your tabernacle? Who can dwell with you? Who can come into your house? Who can dwell with you? Who could live their life in your presence on a constant basis? Well, later on in that chapter, he provided the answer, and this is what he said. He who walks uprightly and he who works righteousness. That's who can abide with God. That's who can dwell in his house. He who walks uprightly and he who works righteousness. Now, I've got a lot of questions today, and I'm going to start just right now. Here we go. What does righteousness look like? What is the evidence or the fruit of righteousness? Are we living in righteousness? How do I know when I'm living a righteous life? And what's the significance of righteousness as it pertains to the church? I hope to answer these questions and more. And believe me, I've got many more questions throughout my message. Questions that only you have the answer to. A righteous life is a holy life. A righteous life is a life that is aligned with God's word. A righteous life is a life who lives according to the standards set by God. And I want you to remember that last one because I'm going to be sharing on that throughout my message this morning. A life that is lived according to the standards of God. Now more than ever, this should matter to the people of God. This should mean something to the people of God. The standards of God should mean something to you and me. Because what are the standards by which you currently live? What should be the standards for Christians? The truth is that there are many people, Christians included, that may not like to hear what God's word says and reveals 
regarding his standards. There are many people who don't like to hear the truth of God. We live in a time where basic fundamental truths are being redefined. Forget about biblical truth. I'm talking about basic fundamental truth. I don't know about you, but there's times I, I ask myself if I'm living in the twilight zone. Where you hear secular, highly educated people and they sound foolish. We just appointed a, a, a woman to the, to the Supreme Court who cannot define what a woman is because she's not a biologist. That's what she said. I don't know if you saw that or not. She was asked point blank, can you define what a woman is? She said, no, I can't. This is Supreme Court justice. This woman, I can't, I'm not in the same spectrum of intelligence as this woman, but I know what a woman is. And I know I'm not it. Like I can start there. <laughs> we live in a day and age where being a woman is defined on how you feel. Now that should offend women. <laughs> the Bible speaks of you, describes you with importance, with honor, with glory. And today's society says... You could be a woman if you feel like it. Christians should have a problem with this. And Christians who are in church should not feel uncomfortable when they hear basic fundamental truths regarding gender, sexuality, the home, marriage. Like those should not be controversial issues in the church. But you know they are. They've become controversial issues in the church, and there are many pastors and churches who don't talk about these issues because they're fearful of the consequences of speaking truth. And now more than ever, the people of God need to speak truth. We need to know truth. We need to stand on truth. We need to speak truth. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but most importantly, we need to love truth. More on that in just a bit. Back to the standards. Standards are not just principles uh, by which we live. They are that. Yes, standards are rules and principles and convictions by which we live our lives. But do you know that standards are also set by God? And because they are set by God, the standards of God will serve as the basis for our judgment. I'll explain. God has set a particular set of standards for my life. I'm going to move this over before I fall or knock something over. God has set a particular set of standards for my life. He set particular set of standards over your life. Most of them are the same, but there are intricacies of God's standards for our lives that differ. Thank you, Tito. You're, you're a little worried too, aren't you? I was getting a little close. There are, th there are standards that God has set over your life and my life that are the same. Speaking of righteousness, righteousness as a whole is a blanket covering for all of us. But to be approved by God leaves a door open for specifics that God desires to implement over my life. 
In other words, if I'm walking down the street one day and the Holy Spirit says to me, go speak to that person, and I'm walking with you and you hear nothing of the sort, but both of us keep walking as if God never spoke, are both of us approved by God at that particular moment, yes or no? No. One of us is because we didn't hear anything from God. But if God speaks to me and says to me, do this, and I don't do that, then that standard becomes the basis for which I will be judged. You following me? That's on a day-to-day basis. But overall, from beginning to end, God has set a standard for your life and for mine. And that standard is not just there so that we would live according to rules and principles. No, that standard is there so that we would live according to those rules and principles. But through those rules and principles, we walk closer with God. We resemble God. And ultimately, we please God. So that's the, the, the consensus of what a, the God's standards are. A, a set of rules and principles that God wants us to accomplish and those standards will serve as a basis for God to judge us. That's another thing that people don't like to hear, that God will judge. The Bible says that God judges. Now we, had a, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ and we pass from death to life, but we still face judgment. We will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and he will judge us according to what we've done with this earthen treasure that we've received, with the eternal life that we so desperately need. What have we done with that? What are we doing with it? What do we want to do with it? Most importantly, what does God want us to do with it? Do you see here that how it starts from the top? That, that, that righteousness is not about what you and I decide we want to do. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't have a, 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 a team meeting. We don't have a gathering to decide what it is we should do. It comes from the top. It comes from God. God directing you. God, God inspiring you. God moving you. God placing a burden on your life to do, to, to say, to serve, to love. It begins there, it has to begin there because if not, it just becomes religion. It becomes tradition. It becomes things that need to be done as opposed to things that we desire to do because of what God has done in us. I mean, what, why, how can you love others? You can love others because God has loved you. You can only extend. You can only be an extension of what has been given to you. That's why it's hard for people to love. That, that, that's why it's, it's hard for people to do many things. It's because, not because God hasn't, it's because they haven't entered into that. They're not living in and under that. I don't know about you, but I am confident in Jesus' words. Do I, have, do I have any witnesses with me? Can anybody agree with me? I am confident in Jesus' words. And a fundamental truth that he established. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus said this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? They shall be filled. Jesus established this fact. 
If you want to be righteous, you will or you won't? Will you? Yes, no, maybe. According to what Jesus said, if you want to be righteous, will you be righteous? Yes. You see, this is not about the things that we lack. This, this is not about the things that, 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 that are glaring weaknesses in our lives. This is about what you want most. And if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, Jesus said you shall be filled. That's what Jesus said. So today's message is not about how far you are from righteousness. It's about how close righteousness is to you. Stop looking at how far you are from righteousness and focus on the fact that righteousness is near you. And if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. Jesus said that. Not Pastor Javi. Jesus said that. Who's ready for some questions? You ready? Here we go. What are you currently hungry and thirsty for? Like right now in the, in the carnal aspect of it, I want some sushi. I left the house today. No, no, I am. I am. And I, I say, I'm un comelon. And when I say hunger, my mind immediately goes back to the conversation I had with my wife. I said, what are we going to have for lunch? And she said, I'd like some sushi today. You don't have to tell me twice. So right now, as I'm talking about hunger, and I'm thinking about sushi. Now many of you are as well. That fresh cut fish. It's just... But in your inner man, what are you hungry for? Like, what do you crave? What's on your to-do list for life? What are you eager for? What does your inner man crave more than anything? I don't know if you can agree with me or not, but in this life, we go after many things. There are many things that we're involved in. Yes or no? But what is priority number one for you? Now you're in church. I know what your answer is. It's God. It's Jesus. We sang today, Jesus, you're all I need. If he is, then why do we complain? If Jesus is all we need, then why do we doubt? If Jesus is all we need, then... Why do we feel downcast when things are taken out of our lives? I mean, I'm just asking you because you sang that song with me. Was I the only one singing that song or no? Who else sang that song? Raise your hand. Jesus, you're all I need. So how would we react if everything else is taken away from us? I mean, is he really all you need? then if he is, then you've got everything you need. And everything else is just an additional blessing. But if you've got Jesus and Jesus is all you need, then we don't need anything else. Listen, there are countless things that I ask God for. Countless things that I'm still expecting God to do and perform. But if he doesn't, will I still believe that I have everything I need? Is he really all you need?
If he is, and you have him, then you have everything. Don't worry, it was a little quiet in my church too when I was talking about this. It's all right, here we go. Number two. Do you desire approval from God above all? Does God approve of you? Does God approve of your life? Does God approve of your convictions? Does God sanction your thoughts and your intentions? You know, you know those things that run around in there? That we catch ourselves thinking and we say, wait. At this stage of my life, at this stage of my walk, I shouldn't be entangled with these things. Does that just happen to me and people in my church or does that happen here every now and again? Does it happen here every now and again where you have to catch yourself and say, God doesn't approve of my thought process. He doesn't approve of my intentions. How about our goals? Who here has goals? Raise your hand if you've got some goals in this life. Has God approved of those goals? Every one of them. Like we leave the big stuff for God, right? But what about those little goals? Those goals that we set up for ourselves, those goals that we go after, those goals that, that rob us of our time, of, of our energy, of our peace of mind. Has God approved of those things? You know, earlier in my marriage, thank God she hasn't asked me this in many years. My wife used to ask me all the time early in our marriage, Javi, did you pray about this? I don't think she really trusted my leadership at the beginning. But every time she asked me that, I was terrified to, to respond because I wasn't going to lie about it. But I would say, this isn't important. And she would just look at me and say, did you pray about it? She wouldn't say anything. Did you pray about it? You know what I had to do after that? I had to pray about it. Have you ever done something thinking that God was backing you up? And in the process, you ask yourself, is God with me? That's happened to me. Anybody else? Come on, today's the day for confession. Nobody's watching you. They're all watching me. The camera's on me. Nobody's watching you. Right? We, 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 we feel inspired to do something. Uh, we have a great idea. We like to spiritualize it and say, I felt led. Right? <laughs> I felt led. And then you realize that wasn't God leading you. You're like, what happened here? Next question. How badly do you crave God's presence? Do you crave his word? Is the presence and the word of God a priority in your daily life? We fill ourselves with so much. With responsibilities. With things that, that are good. For some ministerial duties. Do you know that ministry is not God? 
It's a byproduct of who God is. But if all you are in this life is somebody who's busy for God, you can miss out on who God is. There are people who do a lot of good in this life and miss out on God. You remember Mary and Martha? Was anything Martha was doing wrong? No. She was serving. She was organizing. She knew who was in charge. She, she knew who it was all for. Yes or no? And she saw her sister just hanging out at Jesus' feet. Every time there was a gathering, Martha was busy. She was sweating. You know those people at church service, every time there's an activity, they're outside, they're sweating. They look like hell. I know them. I have them in my church. People you don't even want to say hello to because they're drenched in sweat or they stink of food. You know the kitchen ministry? God bless them. I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for the kitchen ministry. But they've been cooking all day. You say hello to them. Their hair smells like grease. I'm not saying they're all Marthas. But every now and again, they need to spend some time at Jesus' feet. It does us no good if we're impacting people and don't crave the presence in the Word of God. Does us no good. Does us no good. It needs to begin with the presence and the Word of God. After that, go sweat and smell and serve and do everything you want. It needs to begin with the presence and the Word of God. Amen? I hope I didn't lose my kitchen ministry people. I love them. I, those are... They, they hold a special place in my heart. They, oh, they do. No, I'm not going to go there because I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to stop there. Not here, but at church. Is it possible people sign up for busy work because they don't know what it is to be in the presence and the word of God? Are people signing up for the parking lot ministry because worship is too long? This is being recorded, isn't it? I'm, I'm going down a steep hole here. You know, at this stage of my life, I, I, I want to be a more understandable person, Tito. I have conversations with people who've been in, in my church been 18 years back in Miami. I have people who've been in my church for 18 years that I've been serving as their pastor. And they tell me stories of interactions they had with me when I first got to Miami. And I'm like, nah, come on. And I know they're true because they're not lying. I, 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 I was a bit of a stickler with rules and regulations. I was, I'll be the first to admit it. So now at this stage of my life, I realize that there are more important things like righteousness. So get this, I had, I had somebody from the parking lot ministry say to me, pastor, you know, right after we serve, you know, you, you want us to come into the church, but you know what? 
I, I want to go to the kitchen just to freshen up a little bit and, and, be in, and be in the air conditioner a little bit because I'm coming from outside and I'm all sweaty and I, I just want to freshen up for a little bit before I come into the sanctuary. Old Pastor Javi would have said, the AC's everywhere. Why don't you just come to the sanctuary and cool off there? But new Pastor Javi said, you know what? That sounds reasonable. You know, come in, freshen up, get a, get a bottle of water, sit down, cool off, get your mind right. Right? That sounds reasonable. Until we found out that they're spending the entire service in the kitchen. What are we going to do about that? Is it being put a TV on? That's a good idea, but I don't want them there. I don't want them there. I want them in the sanctuary. So is it possible that we've gotten more used to the service aspect as opposed to the Lord that we're supposed to be worshiping and, 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 and receiving from? Are we more comfortable being busy than waiting in his presence? I think there needs to be a shift in priority sometimes. The last of these questions, do you long to live according to the standards that God has set over your life? You see, one of the most heartbreaking things that I've seen is how people over time exchange what God has determined for them, what God has set for their lives as principles for something less. They exchange the beauty and the perfection of what God has for them for something that is less than, for a counterfeit set of principles, for a Christian way of life that is an imitation of the truth, for a form of godliness that is centered on you, a form of godliness whose goal is to make you feel good, do you know that the, the purpose of the church is not so that its members would feel good? The purpose of the church is to exalt Jesus Christ. The purpose of the church is to share the gospel. The purpose of the church is to be an extension of who God is. Not so that we would come into a building and feel good. So many people are, are, have accepted a, a shadow gospel. Something that is simply a reflection of the truth. And it's not the truth. You know, Paul described it as a different gospel with another Jesus. Like that's been around for a long time. You know, people who say, well, that's not the Jesus I know. But you don't know the Jesus of the Bible. That's what it comes up. Well, that's not the God I believe in because you don't believe in God. I mean, how, how is it possible, possible that you and I say we believe in the same God, yet our lives, the fruit of our lives, are totally different? Because Jesus said you will know them by their what? By their fruit. Now we live in this day and age where I'm nobody to judge. The Bible says if you're going to judge, judge righteously. 
If you call yourself an avocado tree and you've never given forth an avocado tree, an avocado, are you an avocado? If you call yourself an avocado tree and all you produce is mangoes, are you an avocado tree? You are not. You know, we, we bought a house a couple years ago and I pruned the tree because it was, it was just massive. And when I moved in, I was gonna cut the tree down, but my father loves trees. And it's a mango tree. And my neighbor, we made the mistake of talking with my neighbor, with my dad, and he says, listen, that avocado tree gives the best tasting mangoes I've ever had in my life. Did I say avocado tree? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mistaking with the, with the fruit. It was a mango tree, not an avocado tree. A, mango, a real mango tree. I don't know what a mango tree is. I didn't study agriculture. No, I know what a mango tree is. <laughs> so my dad looks at me and says, Javi, please don't cut down this mango tree. I'm like, all right, dad. I'm not going to cut it, but I'm going to prune it. So I prune the tree. And the first year, they say that it takes two years after you prune it to give fruit. Well, that first year, that mango tree defied all laws of nature because it had mangoes everywhere. And I thought, I'm going to taste the mangoes of my tree. Do you know that every day that passed, squirrels would get into these mangoes? And I would find about five or six less mangoes on a daily basis. The mango season started, and I'm watching my tree, and they're eating the mangoes before they got ripe. Finally, the mangoes are almost ready to be taken down, and I have about 15 mangoes left. And in that week, I saw the mangoes dwindle down to almost nothing. And then these godforsaken rodents, they don't even eat the whole mango. They just bite it. As if to say, I'm going to get this before you do. So the last night, I'm standing in front of my mango tree. My, my, my bedroom window is right in the backyard and the mango tree's off to the right. I'm standing in front of my mango tree and I'm almost having a conversation with this tree because I'm, I'm, I'm saying to myself, I, uh, am I asking for too much in life? I just want to have a mango. My wife is at the window and she's looking at me. And I turn around and she's looking at me. Gentlemen, has your wife ever not said anything but just simply? I get that a lot. So I walk into the house and I tell my wife, there was three or four mangoes left out of the entire tree. I told my wife, tomorrow I'm going to take down these mangoes and I'm just going to let them ripen on the countertop because I want to taste my mangoes. I woke up the next morning before the sun came up and every single mango had a bite taken out of it. The things that ran through my mind to do to these squirrels, none of them are godly. None of them are godly. So this year I had a plan. I raised up the tree a little more. I thought about it, but there's hundreds of them. I'm going to be shooting squirrels all day. So I, I, didn't, I didn't do that, but I almost did. So this year, the flowers start, you know, when the mango tree starts to flower, and then you get that little mango, you know, I had, I don't want to exaggerate, I had about a hundred of those little mangoes. And then we had a windstorm. I had one mango left on my tree. One mango. 
It's not even, it looked like a pepper. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It was this big and like that thin. It looked like a pepper. I took it down from the tree and I thought, I'm going to eat this. But I couldn't even open it. Like it, it, it pained me to try to open that mango and eat it. It was all seed. And I've made a decision. Either that mango gives me mangoes or it's coming down. Because God put that tree on this earth to produce and it has not produced. At least not for me. For the previous owner apparently it did and for their neighborhood, but not to me. How many people sitting in churches are producing for everybody else but God? Do I continue or no? I'm, I, I've got about 15 minutes left. Are we good? Yeah? Here we go. Go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and you judge for yourself if these words ring true today. And by the way, if, if you're here wondering what unrighteousness is and, and what righteousness is, I want to let you know that unrighteousness is not always a blatant disregard for truth and holiness. Unrighteousness is also a slight deviation from that. A slight deviation from perfection. A slight deviation from exactly what God wants for your life. Can I ask you something? If you fulfill 99% of God's will for your life, have you fulfilled the will of God for your life? Yes or no? God requires, God demands, God deserves 100% of our dependence, of our worship, and of our obedience. Can I have an amen? Here we go, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 7. Are we ready? Here we go. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Can you say already at work? Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is taken out of the way. That mystery of lawlessness is a strong undercurrent of unrighteousness. You ever been at the beach, right, like right before it's becoming summer, and you feel the, the heat of the water? Maybe if you go like chest level like me and you, don't, you want to make sure your feet touch the sand because you're terrified of sharks. Do I have any friends here? Where you, you want to be sure you can see everything. Have you ever been at the beach where you feel how warm the water is on top, but on the bottom every now and again you get an undercurrent of cool water? Has that ever happened to you? That's exactly what's happening now. There is a strong undercurrent of unrighteousness. And Paul said it's already at work. And as bad as things are now, which they are, that's with the Holy Spirit restraining unrighteousness. Verses 8 through 12. These verses speak about the Antichrist and his influence over mankind. Remember, it's already at work. Yes or no? Can we agree on that? That's what the Bible says. It's already at work. Here we go, verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, 
with all power, signs, and lying wonders. If you have your Bible or, or, or physically or, or, or digitally, please highlight or underline that. Lying wonders, because I need you to understand something. Lying wonders are deceitful precepts. They're false miracles. They are miraculous occurrences that are not from God. Because not every supernatural activity originates from God. I repeat that. Not every supernatural activity originates from God. Verse 10. I heard somebody say that's true. Of course it's true. I didn't make that up. The Bible does. Verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the what? The love of the truth. There is an unrighteous deception. And that unrighteous deception has been ordained for those people who don't love the truth. People who don't love the truth will be deceived and unfortunately they will perish. Guys, truth is not just to be our guide. Truth is to be what we love most. Truth is to direct our steps, that is our mind, but it also has to be what conquers your inner man. Do you love truth or do you grudgingly submit to it? Is your life, does your life consist of loving God and loving truth or, oh, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. Granted, there will be those moments. How many of you can say, I know Pastor Harvey. There's going to be moments in this life where we don't want to and we have to. But you can't live your walk with God like that. You can't live this life with God when your heart wants something else, when your inner man is drawn to something else. Our inner man needs to desire God, needs to desire his truth, needs to love his truth. Verse 11 and 12, they reveal the consequences of not loving truth. Verse 11, this gets serious. <laughs> As if it hasn't already, but gets a little more serious and for this reason who will send them strong delusion like how many people have that picture of God as a God who sends strong delusion that they should believe a what a lie beloved this is not just talking about the world this is talking about people who claim to be his, but don't love the truth. God sends a strong delusion so that they would believe a lie. God sends deceit, God sends fraud, God sends something to lead them into error. Why? God will send strong delusion to those people who don't love the truth. And that is why there are so many Christians who oppose or refuse to stand by what the Bible says. That's why there are so many Christians who say, I believe in God, but not necessarily the entirety of the Bible. That's why there are so many people who hold that point of view and argue it so vehemently. Why? Because God has sent delusion over their life. Why? Because you and I were better than them? No, but because they didn't love the truth. 
What relationship do you currently have with truth? Do you find yourself apologizing for God's truth? Do you find yourself omitting scriptures and speaking truth so that you don't offend somebody? Are you leaving out important aspects of God's truth because you don't want your inner circle to continue to grow smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller? If you love truth, you will never believe a lie. You will never believe a lie if you love truth. Stand with me if you would. And we'll read verse 12. This, 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 this is heavy. This is serious. Uh, you can interpret it as, it as it not being very encouraging, but I just see God separating the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares. And all I'm going to be interested in is who's got me in his hand and rejoice in the rest of God's people who will live by truth, who will stand for truth, but most importantly, who will love truth. So many times we focus on sharing truth and standing for truth and believe you me, I'm a huge proponent of that and I believe we have to do that. But how often have you heard about loving truth? We have to fall in love with truth because as we fall in love with truth, we're falling in love with God. there's something that drives me nuts is people apologizing for God. Well, I, I, I understand you. I get you. But you know, the Bible says, what? You, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. If we simply love truth, you're going you're to find out that you're standing on the right side. All, all this stuff about on the right side of history. I, I want to be on his side. I, when this is all said and done, I want to find. I want to make sure that I was on the right side, and that right side is His side. Verse twelve: That they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That phrase, "believe the truth," do you know that goes way beyond an acknowledgement of truth? God doesn't need you and me to say that's true. He knows it's true. <laughs> God doesn't need you and me to, 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 to fact check him and say, yeah, that's right. God knows it's true. He's not looking for acknowledgers of truth. He's looking for and raising up a people who are lovers of truth. People who not just want to, want to take out that sword of righteousness, you know, and, and, and I believe we do, but how many of you know somebody who's just quick to draw the sword on purpose because they love to... Do you know somebody like that? Just, it's not even time for the sword. And there's, there's many times where we have to use the, the sword of truth. Many times. But how many of us love the truth? I think it's time that, that God's people start with, with a hunger and a, and a passion for truth. 
remembering always what Jesus said. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, what's going to happen with them? They shall be filled. If righteousness is what you want, righteousness is what you're going to have. Amen? Can we pray this morning? Has the word reached good and fertile ground? Has it? I pray that we would leave this place known for many things. Many of the things you are currently known for. But in addition to that, lovers of truth. Because if you love truth, you will never be deceived. You never have to worry about experiencing that side of God that does exist. He is that. He is the one who will send strong delusion. He is the one who will deceive people because they didn't love truth. I don't want to be that. I refuse to be that. Anybody else? Amen. Let's pray. Can we say right now in this place what the psalmist said to the Lord, search me, O God. Search me, O Lord. Search us, O God. Search every person here. Search everyone who is watching from home or in a designated place, O God. Search us, O God, in our innermost being. Among the clutter, among the goals that we've set for ourselves, among the things that we are involved and entangled in. I pray that you would find a glaring love for your truth. Lord, that our love for truth minister to each other and that our love for truth would convert the lost. For your truth, oh God. The truth. Not a watered-down version, not a version that we think people would receive. would love, embrace, reflect, and share the truth of God. That we would long to be approved by you. That nothing in this world would matter more than you, O God. I pray that we would be a grateful people grateful for who you are, for what you've done and for what we've received in you. Open our eyes. Show us those who have believed the lie and give us the courage and the anointing to rescue them, oh God. Allow us to see what you see. Allow us to feel what you feel, oh God. That we would live this life according to the standards that you have set over us. Nothing less, nothing close, simply exactly what you have set apart for us. Touch our hearts, our mind, our spirit. 
Let us live for you in this world, loving you and loving truth, oh God. That everybody here, oh God, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, live this life knowing how close righteousness is to them. Because if that's what we want, that's what we get. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you all. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Again, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for receiving me and receiving the word that I had for you all. God bless you.